celebrating the connection with our pets. This is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. <laughs> what an amazing show we have set up for you today. We're going to talk about Dog Spot. We're going to have the creators of Dog Spot on the show. What is Dog Spot? Dog Spot is like a little kennel. Actually, it's a pretty big kennel. Look at the picture here. It's a smart kennel. It has cameras in it. It looks like it has an air conditioning system. And these are being installed in front of retail outlets all across the country right now. And it's hopefully to discourage those that uh, uh, you know tie their animals up to a post outside or a bike rack outside a, a Starbucks or a retail store, which I've learned you shouldn't be doing. For so many reasons. So these guys, they have a solution for this, and they're going to tell us all about it today on Animal Radio. Also, you may have gone to the veterinarian, and they they said, well, we got to run some blood tests. You think, okay, how much is that going to cost me? They say, you know, 300 bucks to run a full panel of blood tests, and you're thinking, holy moly, I really can't do this. Well, today we're going to talk to Dr. Fred Metzger. He's going to tell us why these blood tests are so important and why you should pop that 300 bucks for the blood test to find out what's going on with your animal. Also, can your pets get sunburned? Your dog in particular, can they get sunburned? What do you think, Judy? Do you think your uh, dogs can get sunburned? Yeah, I think like their nose can get sunburned, Mm -hmm. the tips of their ears. I think especially if they're, you know, white animals, a white cat or a white dog. Good answer, Judy. Is that that right? That is correct. Especially more in the lightly pigmented animals, dogs and cats both, yeah. Well, this is something I need to be concerned about because I'm taking my dogs out to the beach and they're running around. Should I be putting like zinc or some kind of sunscreen on their nose? Well, depending on how much time they are spending in the sun, um, there's different things you could do. You could either do protectants or avoidance of peak times of the day. Speaking of being out at the beach, getting the sun on, we have a little place right near us. It's called Dog Beach. It's a part of the beach that the city is dedicated to allowing dogs to run up and down. And it's a great place to socialize your dogs. Dogs are uh, running free. I just like to go, even sometimes without the dog, <laughs> just, to watch just to watch. All the dogs playing with each other and in the surf. It's a lot of fun. However, this last weekend, tragic news out of Tampa, Florida, a dog owner lost his seven-year-old lab due to saltwater poisoning after a day at the dog beach. Saltwater poisoning. What's that about, Doc? Well, you know, we can see this with basically what happens is when when a dog consumes too much salt or sodium, it can relate to some different electrolyte problems and neurologic problems in the body. Um, So it would mean we'd have to take in a lot. Now, this isn't, you know, just a dog that was out in the backyard pool, the saltwater pool, drinking a little bit of salt water. This is a dog that had been playing quite a bit and consuming the water um, out in the ocean. But yeah, it it is a real thing. It causes um, change like diarrhea, vomiting, weakness, seizures, um, and can be fatal, um, certainly. So it is something um, that is a veterinary emergency. Geez, between the sunburn and the salt water, <laughs> you sort of want to keep yeah. the animals at home. Aww. Well, I think when even dogs... <laughs> that was fun. Um... <laughs> So 
even dogs that drink too much water without it being salt water can suffer ill effects of that. And that can be dangerous. So um, adding in the salt into that just kind of throws in another whole um, element of uh, toxicity. And we see this with um, large animals, too. They can get salt toxicosis if they're out and they don't have water, but they have, say, their salt licks that they get for their mineral content. Um, so that's something we see across the different species. I want to know what happened over there. Yeah, what was that? You, you know, it, it might be what you would call a little bit of a lean and then an unstable uh, elbow position. <laughs> Why isn't this videoed? You know what? I do yoga. I just don't disclose when I'm doing yoga. You know, on air, sometimes you just need a good stretch. That was real graceful. <laughs> Lori, what are you working on for this hour? Uh, something much simpler. Okay. Um, summertime and gosh it's so stinking hot right now so if you want to stay inside and enjoy some time with your dog well we have the list for you of the top five all-time favorite dog movies oh i know what's on there old yeller's got to be oh i'm sorry i didn't i didn't i didn't want to ruin it i'm sorry no (laughs) sorry list is on the way let's uh go to your calls well hello jan how are you I'm fine, thank you. How are you? Good. Where are you today? I'm in Vernon, Texas. Vernon, Texas. What side of Texas is that? Which side of Texas? It's close to Wichita Falls. Is, is that where you live? <laughs> We're on the border. We, we live out in the country. Okay. Well, I have Dr. Debbie here. I hope everything's okay with your pets. What's going on? Let's see. She's about three years old. We've taken her to the vet quite a few times. They had her on antibiotics, two rounds. Jan, I'm going to back up. This is a dog we're talking about? Yeah, I yes. didn't catch that. Chihuahua. I wasn't sure. Okay, what kind of dog? How old? Three years old in Chihuahua. A Chihuahua. Awesome. Okay, so what do you got going on with your baby there? Uh, she's inflamed. Her skin is, and she scratches a lot. And they put her on two rounds of antibiotics. Um, she had an odor, and he ended up cleaning her teeth. And then um, that seemed to help. But then their skin got inflamed again, and she's still scratching. Um, mm-hmm. We have an okay. antifungal shampoo that we used for several months. I don't know that it helped, but he gave her two different allergy shots, and that kind of helped on the itching, you know, the scratching and all. But it's kind of like she's done all that, and she's still having problems. So I don't know if we need to get blood work done or what we need to do. Okay, yeah. Now, and you're, you're describing that she's... At the time that she's itchy, does she also smell at the same time? Yes, and her, her hair will get oily if you don't bathe her at least twice a week. Okay. Yeah, and and definitely I'd say here, you know, blood work might be useful to see if we've got any potential hormonal problems like a thyroid problem or other health issues going on. Um, but when I pick up an odor, and a lot of times when a dog has just a I don't want to say stank, but yeah, when they have a stank to them um, and they're actually having itching, scratching, all of those type of signs, there's a lot we can do by looking into the skin surface. So um, I'll take a slide, look under the microscope, see what kind of critters we might have growing. Because a lot of times if we're picking up a smelly odor and we've got some redness on the skin, it's very possible we have some infection, whether it's yeast, bacteria, or what have you. 
So when you said you're using an antifungal shampoo, um, that makes me wonder if they were concerned that maybe she did have something like a yeast infection, which can be yeasty and stinky and smelly. And if, if anyone knows what a, an infected ear smells like when it has a yeast problem, dogs can get this all over their body anywhere. Um, so it can really produce a pretty potent smell. So that might be something that I'd be looking at doing is check for yeast on the skin. And if possible, we may need to get her on an oral um, anti-yeast medicine. Um, but I definitely like the idea of checking blood work. The other thing I would definitely, definitely look into doing is getting her on a hypoallergenic diet because a lot of these skin problems, allergies, infections, they can be rooted where a pet has a problem with a sensitivity to certain proteins or ingredients in the food. And that kind of starts the whole cascade of itch, redness, infection, itch, redness, infection, and it goes on and on. So if we can get to the heart of it with a hypoallergenic diet, you can go a long way there to make her more comfortable. And well, we had her on the wellness, the wellness dog food, and then and that was supposed to be an allergy type dog food. Then we switched her, and she's on potato and duck, and she's been on that okay. for like six months. And okay, that's so I don't know where to go after that. Yeah, I mean, and if you've tried a couple avenues down that road, um, there are different ways that we can go at food allergy. So you were kind of trying what's called the novel protein approach to food allergies. We can go to a hydrolyzed protein diet, and there are some really good ones out there. Uh, Purina makes one, uh, Science Diet makes one, Royal Canin makes one, I believe, um, where they're actually, the proteins of the food are go through a special process so that they kind of trick the pet's immune system so that they can still eat the chicken protein, if you will, and not show an allergic sign to it. So that would be one thing you could do, but it's a hydrolyzed protein uh, that you might want to look into that with your veterinarian. And then really, okay. I'd say you know, the, the heart of it is to get a sample from the skin. And I, you know, I know Hal always says, I like to look at the gross things, the ooey things, the gross <laughs> stuff on the microscope, but it really can, to empower your veterinarian to really work with you to try to find the right steps, the right solution, and the right medicines or shampoos, because that makes a big difference. So commonly I hear people getting upset, oh my God, I spent $200 at the vet, and you didn't do anything for me. Well, sometimes if we don't have the right direction, and we're not given that lead of which which path we're going down, we can spend money pretty easily for you, but it may not be in your pet's best interest, or might not be the most effective. So definitely it's well worth looking into those simple skin tests that your vet can do, and I'd encourage you that way. Okay. You're not alone. We're all there with you. <laughs> Thank you so much for your call. one 405 8405 Hey, Ronald, how you doing? Okay, how you doing today? Doing good. Where are you? Uh, Montgomery, Pennsylvania. Montgomery, Pennsylvania, checking in. I have Dr. Debbie here. How can we help you? Hi. Yes. Hi. I have a young Doberman Pinscher, and I'm an over-the-road truck driver. And while okay. My wife was, but while my wife was sick one week, he went with me, and... Now he thinks he wants to go every week, but I was wondering, being Dobermans have a history of hip problems, mm -hmm. if, if putting him in the truck, even, you know, with walking, you know, regularly through the day, if it would cause any problems with that. Oh, if, whether or not the traveling in the truck would um, hasten or make a bigger problem with potential hip dysplasia, that's your question? Yes. 
No, I, I don't believe that would. And um, in this situation, the only thing that I'd say sitting in the truck might have a potential for would be l- less exercise. So we wouldn't want his weight to get too heavy. So it would be more that risk. But no, um, hip dysplasia, what you know, we would worry about sometimes is if a pet is in um, very active uh, athletic activities and if they have some tendencies towards hip dysplasia, then we might have some more issues there. Um, but no, I mean, sitting in the truck, hanging out with his dad, I think that's a great plan and you know just to combat any kind of boredom or problems with his exercise you know if he's in truck you want to just make sure you give him that ample opportunity for physical exercise you know a little bit of uh, mental stimulation so you know maybe some retrieving some toy uh, play behaviors when you you make your stops all of that will kind of keep him uh, physically fit and uh, I don't see any problems with uh, riding along with your side if he likes it then hey (laughs) looks like you got the a-ok Ronald Thank you for your call today. 1-866-405-8405. And now an animal radio news brief. A California woman's hoping that uh, showing a little skin is going to help her find her missing dog. According to NBCSanDiego.com, Arlene Moss Corona was wearing a bikini as she stood next to the road holding a poster of her missing chihuahua. The University of California San Diego student says she's tried everything to find her dog, adding that a worker at her apartment complex says he saw somebody actually take the dog. She said that if her dog was stolen, the individual responsible is probably a little afraid to bring it back because she's gotten so much publicity. She's tried everything to find her dog. She called the pound. She even got a hold of a pet psychic. The only other option was to wear her bikini in the 50-degree weather and not eat until she finds the dog. Neither of those would work for me. Not an option. She did list her phone number and multiple pictures of her dog on her sign, but so far, that dog has not come home. This has been an Animal Radio News Brief. Get more at animalradio.pet. This portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Pets Welcome Here. I'm Ashley Mingwasser, and this is my pal Rosie from Pets Welcome Here, the TV special about amazing adventures you can share with your pets. Find Pets Welcome Here on your local network affiliate or petswelcomehere.tv and check our schedule to see when we're on in your area. Nature at its best is nature at its simplest. At Red Barn, we've kept it simple for 20 years by concentrating on single-ingredient natural dog treats because Mother Nature's actually pretty good at this. Bones are just tasty bones. Meat treats are just nourishing meat. It's nature at its simplest. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Natural Treats. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Try our slow-roasted, natural, meaty bones. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. In just a few minutes, we're going to talk to the creators of Dog Spot, which is like an Airbnb for dogs. These little uh, smart kennel... Smart kennel... Smart kennels, which are outside of uh, coffee stores and retail outlets where you can put your dog while you go into the store. Oh, so you don't have to leave them in a hot car yeah. or a cold car in the winter. Oh, yeah. And I think these things, uh, I think they're climate controlled. We're going to find out. We'll talk to those folks in just a few minutes right here on Animal Radio. Also, can your dog get sunburn? I actually know the answer to that. But do you? You'll have to stick around for that. And then, you know, when you go to the vet, they always say, let's run a battery of blood tests. And you're, you're thinking, oh, how much Dollar is, signs. Yeah, how much is this yeah, going to exactly. set me back? Today we're going to talk to Dr. Fred Metzger. 
It's going to tell us what those blood tests are all about and why it's so important that we pop that $100, $150, $200, $300 for blood tests when diagnosing something with your animals. So that's on the way right here on Animal Radio. Plus, we're also going to talk to you. Toll free, 1-866-405-8405. You can also ask your questions from the free Animal Radio app for iPhone, Android, and BlackBerry. And uh, Lori, what are you working on for this hour? Well, there's a contraption that was sold by IKEA that is now being globally recalled uh, <laughs> after some yeah pretty tragic consequences oh. for some pets. Yeah. Oh, okay. You definitely don't want one now. In fact, you can't buy one now because it's been pulled from the market. Oh, okay. That's on the way in just a few minutes. I think of IKEA and I think of furniture that I cannot put together. And that's pretty <laughs> tragic. But I guess this is yeah. this is something pretty serious that has to do with your animals. So yeah. stick around for that. Let's uh, hit up John. Hey, John, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm good. Thanks for uh, taking the call. What's going on? Uh, just a quick question. Um, I have a 10-year-old dog. She's got a, a little growth a couple of weeks back that looks like a little sty or a wart or something on her left lower eyelid, but it doesn't interfere with her blinking or anything like that. I'm just wondering if that's something I need to check out. Yeah. Now, what kind of doggie? I'm sorry. She's a, a lot from the pound and like stuffers, and I got her off the rest, and I'm told okay. she's cowdy mix. And is the lump, is it on the inside of the eye, on the outside? What what uh, area coming in it's from the, the nose outside. to the side? On the outside, okay. Well, the the good majority of, t- of little masses along a dog's eyelid, they tend to be benign growths. Um, okay. And of those, they most commonly are a type called a meibomian gland tumor. So that's by far the, the biggest um, cause of these type of things. So those type of things, not to say they can't cause a problem, um, and sometimes they can actually get pretty big. Um, they'll kind of even get a cauliflower-like growth off of them, and they can rub on the eye. So um, some of these really can cause ulcers in the eye or discomfort. So um, the treatment of those, um, first I'd say, you know, get a look at it. If you hold her up to the mic, I can, you know, try to <laughs> get a picture of things. Um, but, uh, you know, getting a, a vet's eye on it is a big thing because sometimes there are types of lumps and bumps that get us a little bit more excited. Um, if they're pigmented, kind of a black color, sometimes that gets us a little bit more concerned because we can get melanoma, a more serious tumor that occurs on the eyelid. Um, and then some types can be a little bit more destructive to the area, um, like square cell carcinoma. Um, you know, people are aware of that because of the sun-related issues. So that for dogs too can occur on the eyelids. So, um, that, so that's my argument. Do? Would they would they zap it off and and test Sometimes. it, or what would they? Yeah, so when we have an eyelid tumor, pretty much um, we have to remove those type of things with a pet under anesthesia. And I get that question all the time. Can you do it with my pet awake? No, not going to happen. <laughs> not many dogs will sit for that. So th- from there, but yes, we can do a couple things. We can, if it's root large and it goes into the lid, we might do kind of like a V-shaped wedge. So we take out a little wedge of the eyelid and sew things back up. Um, if it's small and doesn't seem to go very deep, then yes, we can um, kind of cauterize that either with um, an electrocautery. At my office, we have a laser that we use, and that helps to kind of uh, ablate the tissue or just kind of um, destroy it on the surface. So that technique can you can be used for some of the smaller um, or less uh, less serious ones. If we're worried that it's a more serious tumor, we're going to probably go for that V wedge because we want to get nice clean margins and, and solve that problem for you know the long haul. Um, but, How so, much yeah. can you so tell I, by looking at it? If you if I, if I brought her into the office, could you look at it and say yeah, it looks like this or it looks like that? 
In some cases, yeah. Um, usually, um, but I would say just because the great majority of these type of tumors are meibomian gland tumors. And, you know, the breed sometimes gives us some clues because we know that there are um, some dogs like poodles, cocker spaniels, um, collies that tend to get these um, benign eyelid tumors a little bit more frequently. So um, if we've got that, there's sometimes a little bit of the odds game we can play to, to help. And I, that may not help your situation since you have a mixed breed dog, but uh, well, potentially. Does. So. I, I was wondering whether or not to make an appointment, so it sounds like I should. Yeah, absolutely. I would definitely encourage you. And, you know, it could be something we can handle pretty simply. Um, and just sometimes a little bit of, you know, monitoring, watching, and waiting uh, is acceptable for these type of things. Beautiful. I will uh, keep an eye on it, but I'll, I guess I'll make an appointment for next week as well. Thanks for the uh, information. I sure appreciate it. Thanks for the call, John. one 405 8405 You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at one 405 8405 We can't tell you why canine caviar is the only alkaline-based dog food. But we can tell you, alkaline is proven to minimize the risk of renal failure and pancreatitis, reduce scratching, cellular degeneration, and disease, keeping your furry friend youthful and healthy longer. And those are the reasons we can fit into this short commercial. But by visiting caninecaviar.com, you'll see exactly what we do to make a better food for your dog. Try the one and only alkaline dog food risk-free. Canine Caviar. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. IKEA's new Lurvig water dispenser seems like a great idea in the beginning, until two dogs died after getting their heads stuck in the device. Now IKEA has issued a global recall for it and is warning that it could become a deadly trap if your pet, a small pet especially, decides to insert its head up the dome-shaped water container. Uh, the water dispenser is made up of two separate components, if you haven't seen a picture of it. The bottom serves as a, a water bowl and also the base for a clear dome-shaped container that holds water and then sits on that base. That product line included everything from, gosh, they had like 75 products from leashes and bowls to cat houses, dog beds, poop bag dispensers, you name it. It's one of several recent strategic steps that IKEA made towards transforming itself from a furniture company into a lifestyle brand, but this is getting a lot of attention. The anti-crime group, the Guardian Angels, remember, known for patrolling New York subways in the 70s and 80s? They're still around, but they've recently started an animal protection program that cares for feral cat colonies and puts them on patrol fighting rats in neighborhoods. So owners of rat-infested buildings can then partner with the group to give space for feral cats to eat and drink. Now, so far, the Angels have built outdoor housing as well for their new four-legged fur members, and they also take the care of uh, spay and neutering them. But aside from getting rats off of the city streets, the group also hopes that the cats are going to help curb violent crime. Studies, you probably know this, have shown that animal abuse can be an early indicator of a person committing violent crimes in the future. So the group has decided they are going to use children to help as caretakers for those wild cat colonies to teach children empathy for cats. Cool. I think it's a good idea. Uh Good partnership there. Hey, we are... Aren't we just in the dang hot dog days of summer these days? Yeah, it's brutal out there. So dog lovers, if you would rather be inside watching a movie, I have you know a great list for you because I would rather be doing the same thing than be out in the heat. It's of the top 
all-time favorite, the top five all-time favorite dog movies, according to a new survey. So here we go. At number five is The Secret Life of Pets. Mm -hmm. In fourth place, Beethoven. Number three is 101 Dalmatians. Uh The first runner-up is Lady and the Tramp. And the all-time favorite dog movie in America, number one on this list, is Marley and Me. Wow. Wow. I've seen them all. Yeah. But I don't know. Have you really? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if I'd pick Put all. Marley at the top of the list? Would you put Marley at the top of the yeah. list? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that's, I don't know about that. Yeah. I like Beethoven, and I, I think they missed, um, what's the one, gosh darn it, you're going to know what I'm talking about. Um, oh, uh, Turner and Hooch. Oh, yeah, wasn't that a I, that was a movie? That was, I thought that was a sitcom or I a series. It was a, no, it was a T- TV series. It was a movie. It was a movie. Okay. Oh, oh, it was a movie. I, uh-huh. I missed that one. Yeah, <laughs> we saw it. Oh well. Uh, we need more dog movies. You hear that, producers? We do more dog movies and cat this? movies. Yeah, cat movies That'd and ferret cool. movies. Flamingo movies. Yeah. How about My Pet Peacock, the emotional support peacock movie? Get on that right now. <laughs> I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news. Anytime you need it, we have it at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. This scrumptious survey of Animal Radio is brought to you by the grain-free Red Barn Naturals canned food for dogs and cats. Always made in the USA with natural, functional ingredients to support your pet's optimal health. Their website's redbarninc.com. Thank you, Red Barn, for underwriting Animal Radio. And uh, Judy, you are a pet sitter. I am. I'm a busy pet sitter. You are very busy. You used to spend an eight-hour day here at Animal Radio. (laughs) And then starting, what, two, three years ago, you spend uh, a lot of time I spend eight hours pet-sitting a day. <laughs> is, it, is it profitable for you? Is it good? You know, surprisingly it is. I, I, I guess I'm fortunate to live in a great area where it's a you know big thing around here. People have a lot of pets, and they work a lot, and they're looking for people to come in, and they go on vacation a lot. And so, yes, it's very, very profitable. Occasionally, you'll come in with stories on different pets and different escapades, heroin events that you've had. I've always told you, you should write a book. Write a book. Yes, I should write a book because there's, there's, I can't make some of this stuff up. Laura Vaurier is, uh, am, I, am I pronouncing your name right or wrong? Yeah, that's it. Perfect. Oh, good. Uh, that's amazing. Does it? <laughs> that's never happened do with Hal before. Yes, that? you do. Yeah, I'd like a star. <laughs> You are, you are a pet sitter, and you actually did write a book called The Pet Sitter's Tale. And you are a pet sitter to some of the, a lot of celebrities, right? Oh, definitely. So many celebrities. But, you know, that's not unusual if you just live in Hollywood. You're yeah. going to get a celebrity. It's just, you know, it's, it'd be crazy if you didn't. And they don't mind you telling about their horrid tales of... Petcapades. Petcapades. Wow. There you go. Um, you know, not really. I mean, most of them are fine with it. I, when something is really outlandish, I won't say their name. But, you know, most people, you know, they have pets and they love them. They're part of their family. They're their furry children. And they don't mind if you say how much they love their pets because we all love our pets, right? Do they ask you to do kind of, uh, you know, ask you to go above and beyond the normal call of duty? 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, let's face it, pets have, you know, celebrity pets have, like, private chefs and, you know, chauffeur drivers. Really? And, oh, yeah. And, you know, they're they're going to have their, their hair and nails done because they're going to a paw party or they're going to get married. You know, it's, it's like anything that we do for our pets, but to the 10th degree. Yeah. Do you have to take any of the dogs to the beach? You know... I haven't taken any of their dogs to the beach. I think for the most part, they'd rather do that themselves because it's a fun thing. And, of course, they have the beach properties. But I've taken my dog to the beach, and he loves it. You know what I just learned today? I take my dog to the beach all the time. But I learned today that between the salt water and the sun, that it could be a dangerous place. Oh, absolutely, because you have to be certain that your dog's not getting sunburned or dehydrated. So what do you do for your dogs? Well, I, I put sunscreen on my dog. Okay. I mean, he's he's a he's a short hair doxy, so uh, he's you know a, a doxy chihuahua. He's a chihuini, and I put the sunscreen on the tips of his ears and his nose and any place that he might get sunburned because you know there's nothing worse than your dog being in pain and whimpering, and then you got those vet bills. So if you just take a little bit of precaution, it really is going to help them have a better time and, and not get not get hurt. And a good thing is, you know, dogs like to drink that salt water, but you want to supply plenty of fresh water. I mean, a couple laps aren't going to hurt them, but if they drink too much salt water, they can get sick from that. So you want to make sure you supply plenty of fresh water for them to drink. Oh, we just learned it could be fatal if they if they drink too much of that. Yeah, and you know what? You think that a dog would regulate, but sometimes they don't. You know, that you see that dog that just laps up the whole bowl of water or eats everyone's food. So you've really got to just, you know, watch your dog, make sure you know your dog. And yeah, a couple laps won't hurt him, but too much can kill him. You're right. Sure. Do you use uh, like a dog sunscreen or do you use human sunscreen on your pets? Okay, so this is a really good question because you can't use zinc or pabas on your dog. Ooh. They're toxic to your dog and you know your dog will lick things. You know, just mm-hmm. even if they don't taste good, they usually they usually will lick them. Um, so you want to make sure that you're using a sunscreen that is good for dogs. And usually sunscreens that are good for babies won't have the zincs or the pavas in them, but you want to make sure that it's vet prescribed or it says good for pets mm. because you don't want your pet to get sick. So no zinc and no pava. Usually baby sunscreens will be okay. What about just a sombrero? <laughs> or a tent, a little pup tent. You know, that's what I do for my dog. I set up a little tent and I make sure that he has shade and towel because when the sand get hot, you know, their paws can get blistered and burned, so you want to avoid that. So, you know, just take those precautions. And, you know, they're also, I have to say, a lot of times I see sunburn on the belly of dogs that like really? to sunbathe. Oh, yeah. So sometimes Definitely. even um, sun SPF uh, clothing for dogs, it sounds crazy, but, you know, sometimes a little bit of a barrier or just kind of common sense of, you know, don't let them sunbathe in that nice hot sun because um, there is a real susceptible um, area in the groin where we see that a lot. Well, oh, now, wait wow. a second. Ladybug's a real sun hog. She'll go <laughs> in the mornings where they're, when the sun comes through the window, she'll go lay in that. Is that dangerous? Well, you know, with chronic exposure in high intense sun, you know, it's certainly it's a cumulative thing. So just like anything else, I'm not telling you freak out, guys. I mean, but be sensible. If your dog always loves to do this, you have to temper that and just, you know, not do it in excess. And then maybe avoid those peak times of the day when it's going to be most um, intense. My dog loves when it's hot outside and he will go and lay on the brick on my patio. And it must, it's got to be over 100 degrees and he likes to lay there. I think it feels therapeutic on him. He's got some pins in his legs, and he'll just lay there and just absorb that. He yep. always yell at him, like, get out of there, get up, what are you doing, what are you thinking? But 
He loves it. He likes to lay there for a few minutes and just get it really hot. He likes it. Can can they build up a tolerance? Can they get like tan like we do so they don't burn? No. That's an excellent question. I don't think no. so. I don't think dogs can tan. <laughs> Do- Dr. Debbie, you chimed I'm in saying, saying no. no. No, absolutely. Uh, anything that they develop is going to be more what we call solar dermatitis, which is redness, kind of a dry cr- uh, crustiness, um, which can be a precursor to the cancerous type of change. Oh, so, no. yeah. So you don't want to try to build up a tan on your white dog. It ain't going to happen. <laughs> hey, it's Hollywood. Come on now. <laughs> and you've written a book about your Hollywood celebrity dogs. It's called The Pet Sitter's Tale. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to find out. Maybe what is the most outrageous story that we're going to find in that? Okay, hang tight. Okay, great. When Helen Brown ran away to New York City, she had no idea that a homeless cat with a punk rock haircut would teach her the true meaning of love. In the tradition of her best-selling memoir, Cleo, Helen Brown's Bono, The Amazing Story of a Rescue Cat Who Inspired a Community, is a heartwarming true story about a woman without an anchor and a homeless cat without much hope of finding a forever home in the city that never sleeps. Bono by Helen Brown is on sale now everywhere books are sold. Learn more at HelenBrown.com. Hey, this is Sean Hayes on Animal Radio. Remember to spay and neuter your pets. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's Animal Radio, celebrating the connection with our pets. We are with Laura Vo- Vorier, can I say it? Can I do it twice? Vorier, you are the pet sitter to the stars, and you've written a book called The Pet Sitter's Guide, or excuse me, The Pet Sitter's Tale. Tell us a little bit about what we're going to find in the book, and maybe give us a taste of the most outrageous celebrity pet story you have. Sure. Well, much like Judy, I'm a pet sitter, but right here in Hollywood, and I had so many people come to me and say, you know what, Laura, you ought to write a book because these stories are crazy. They can't believe what people would do for their pets and how much money that they would spend on them. So I finally did put the book together after thinking about it for a long time, and it took me forever. I think I wrote in my book, it took me 15 years to get the, to get the stories down and do the editing. And, you know, you abandon it, and you go back to it, and you abandon it, and you keep thinking about it. So I finally got the book out. Um, I just think it's so crazy that people are so over the top in love with their pets, especially people that don't have human children, because they just kind of put all that love that they have available and and openness in their hearts, and they just put it on their pets. Uh, and, And, you know, celebrities are no different, and they have busy schedules, and it's difficult for them to sometimes get close to people because, you know, they're busy, they're working, they're traveling. So they just adore their pets and they they sleep with their pets and they cook for their pets and they baby their pets and they put their pets in strollers and they dress their pets and they, you know, do all sorts of stuff for their pets. Um, But I think the craziest thing that I had, I had a very famous celebrity who was a singer and I'm not going to say who she is, but she's a pretty famous singer and she's even more famous now than when we got started. And, you know, the line between pet sitter and friend kind of blurs when maybe they don't have too many friends and you're a virile lot taking care of their pets and they're there and you talk so it kind of overflows to hey you know why don't you stay and have dinner or or why don't you take 
these tickets or maybe you can help me try on some dresses for the Emmys or whatever. Let's just say things like that. Well, this one particular woman was a very famous singer and she was trying out some of her songs and she kind of thought that she could tell if her songs were going to be a hit if the dogs liked them when she sang them. (laughs) And to be certain, she would have me sing her songs to her pets while they were eating and if they stopped eating, they didn't like her songs and they weren't going to be hits. So uh, while her dogs were eating, I would uh, sing her songs to the pets to make sure that they didn't stop eating while I was singing. Couldn't it have been just your singing? <laughs> <laughs> hey, nobody stopped eating, but I've never seen her dog stop eating, so I think we're okay. <laughs> this is the same way NBC picks their year lineup. They just put a bunch of... Right, right? Yeah. I mean, this is as accurate as anything else, I suppose. <laughs> It's fun stuff. It's called The Pet Sitter's Tale. If you uh, want to pick it up, I, we put links over at animalradio.pet. Of course, links to everything you've heard on today's show over at animalradio.pet. Lori Vaurier, thank, thank you, you so much for joining us today. Oh, thanks for having me on. It's been fun to talk to all of you. Take care now. Uh, we're going to head back to the phones for your calls, toll-free at 1-866-405-8405. Hey, Veronica, how are you doing? Fine, thank you. How you guys been? Good. Where are you? I'm calling from Encino, California. Lovely L.A. area, if I might say so myself. What's going on? I hope everything's okay. Yes, I have a 17-year-old cat, and she has all of a sudden she was starting to throw up, but clear liquid, nothing. Um, I ended up putting her inside of the kitchen area so she wouldn't only have access there, and I observed her for about a period of 24 hours. She stopped, but I'm still a little concerned if I should take her to the vet or not. Okay. And the vomiting, you said it only was going on for 24 hours. Does she have bouts of this from time to time, or is this a kind of a single episode? No, she had several several times where she was throwing up. Okay. Well, it, for a kitty that's 17 years old, vomiting can be a somewhat vague sign that we can see with a lot of different problems. If you were to tell me this was a maybe a five-year-old kitty, I might say, ah, maybe not a big deal. But in a 17-year-old kitty, it definitely can be a signal that there's something else awry, whether it is a digestive-related problem or if it's completely unrelated to the digestive tract. And in, for an instance, um, sometimes cats with kidney disease will start to have vomiting uh, or even and loss of appetite. So that would be something we wouldn't know necessarily unless we actually did a thorough exam and maybe even some lab work. Um, But for me, if you haven't had the kitty in in the last maybe three months to a veterinarian, I I would certainly say I think it's going to be a wise thing to do and just to have her checked out and to see, make sure everything's okay. Does she have any other ongoing or other health problems that they're managing? You know what? And uh, what I ended up doing, because she wasn't drinking too, so I ended up feeding her I got a little dropper and giving her a lot of liquid because my concern was for her to, because she's older, to get dehydrated. Exactly. With a dropper, I was um, giving her a lot of water, and that kind of helped, but I'm still going to take her to the vent then to have her. Yeah. I, I would, and, and definitely cats over 10 years, one of the number one things that we see when they come into the veterinary office, we might not see it on physical exam, but if we run lab work, one of the top problems is kidney disease, and they can have a, de- a gradual deterioration in that kidney function. So um, that's something that I would not be surprised if you had a little bit of that going on. Um, so, yeah, yeah, i definitely get her, get her checked out. Okay, great. Thank you so much. Thanks for your call, Veronica. Have a great day. 1-866-405-8405. That is toll-free to the Dream Team. 
This portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by author Helen Brown. In the tradition of her best-selling memoir, Cleo, Helen Brown's Bono, the amazing story of a rescue cat who inspired a community, is a heartwarming true story about a cat who just wanted a home and someone to love. Her website's HelenBrown.com. And thank you, Helen Brown, for underwriting Animal Radio. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. Hi, friends. This is Dr. Marty Becker, America's veterinarian. After a traumatic experience at the veterinary office, have you ever thought to yourself, there has to be a better way? When your veterinarian is fear-free certified, you'll find your pet's vet visit is safer, more comfortable, and actually enjoyable. Your dog will go from shaking in the lobby to pulling you into the exam room with a wagon tail, and your cat will be purring inside the carrier. To find a certified fear-free veterinarian near you, go to fearfreepets.com. Hello, I'm David Bellamy of the Bellamy Brothers, and we're on Animal Radio. Love your animals. Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White, groomer Joey Villani, and here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. When I was a little young tot, I wanted to be a vet when I grew up. Short of seeing any blood that would make me pass out, I decided (laughs) to become a radio host instead. It's a big jump. (laughs) Dr. Debbie, you pursued your dream. In fact, you... You were kind of into the animals pretty young, weren't you? Yeah. I mean, I knew I was always going to be a veterinarian. I was feeding and taking care of squirrels and dissecting lizards on my mom's kitchen table. (laughs) So, yeah. That sounds like all the fun stuff, but did you realize there was going to be a lot of not-so-fun stuff along with your job? Yeah, and I think that's probably what attracted me to it. (laughs) Yeah. But... I know that you have to tell people sometimes the truth. Yeah, no. I mean, some of the sad things, um, you know, definitely, you know, euthanasias and delivering bad news is the unpleasant part. But, mm-hmm. you know, the gross stuff, the, you know, squeezing abscesses and, you know, you, you things did like that. that stuff. Or, or, that is just Ooh. like the, the highlight of a veterinarian's day, I have to say. So, you know, it really makes us jump with joy. Dr. Debbie is also married to a veterinarian. That work, they work at completely different offices. I gotta want to point that out. But when they get yes. around the dinner table at night, imagine what that conversation's <laughs> about. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it is sometimes quite colorful, um, and we do have to kind of remember our immediate family is 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 used to this but when we have visiting family or friends um you can kind of tell there's a squirm factor that they get to when when you start talking about certain things and you just have to kind of read and say oh this is inappropriate for this company okay (laughs) (laughs) when you have to tell a patient that they need to get blood tests they need Mm to you need to do a panel of blood which can be kind of costly what what is the usual reaction to people back off sometimes yeah, well, a lot, of, a lot of times I think people think my dog is fine. I would know if my dog was fine, or you would know by looking. So why do you need to do this? And, uh, you know, the God honest truth is that, you know, our pets don't talk and can't say, hey, my abdomen hurts on the left lower side, and I keep having this kind of nausea every time I eat. So, you know, they don't tell us this. So we do have to look for clues and evidence, and that's where really where diagnostics like blood work come in. That's well, really your only for sure communication yeah, between because the, they, the animal. they hide their illness yeah Yeah, and you know people we humans misinterpret symptoms all the time and it's it's not because we 
meaning to, you know, make the wrong diagnosis. It's just sometimes things seem like one thing when they can really mean a totally different thing in the medical world. So. Well, what's a good example of that? Um, I can tell you most people confuse regurgitation and vomiting, completely different. Um, uh, and if you don't know, regurgitation is a very passive thing where the food just kind of goes, well, comes right up without any effort. And vomiting is a very forceful, there's a lot of heaving that goes into it. I but wish the, this was TV. <laughs> <laughs> but the causes and what we do to investigate, for example, I'll, I'll start with chest x-rays if I'm worried about regurgitation. If I'm worried about a vomiting pet, I need to do abdominal x-rays. And that can be a completely different zone in the body and send us on the wrong path. So um, that is one example. Another is um, coughing and um, vomiting. Some dogs will cough so bad that they bring up fluid, but people will call it vomiting because they brought something up. And there was a lot of effort into mm. it. So, again, it sends us completely down the wrong path. So we have to do some tests to sleuth it out. Yeah, it's a tough job you have there. And so when the doctor says, got to get the blood test, they're not making commission off the money of the blood tests, okay? They they really mean they need to find out what's going on with your animal, and that's one of the only ways since they cannot talk. And, you know, I've actually picked up on um, routine healthy dogs going in for spays and neuters, picked up um, oh. abnormal things like, say, kidney values that were high. And I can name two different dogs that we um, were about to put under for a neuter and d- diagnose juvenile renal dysplasia, which is an <sighs> inherited kidney problem. These dogs were perfectly healthy and happy. We had no clue that there was anything going on, but we picked up some parameters that were abnormal, and it led us to a diagnosis, and we were better able to, you know, a- address that pet's needs and definitely stop anesthesia that day because, you know, heaven forbid we didn't know about that. Okay, good information. Hey, if you want to talk to Dr. Debbie right now, toll-free, 1-866-405-8405. We're also going to do a check of the news coming up. And, Lori, what do you have for this hour? Uh, There's a really strange story out of Georgia today where they have some killer deer. And why we're concerned about it is because these deer are going after pets. We'll give you the stories behind it and then what some of the experts think might be going on. Hi, Patty. Where are you calling from? From Abingdon, Virginia. Oh, where is that in Virginia? East or west side? Anywhere near Charlottesville? Uh, no, Upper East Tennessee, Lower Southwest Virginia. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Let me guess. you got a flea problem. No, no. I have a car sick problem. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. Well, I have oh. the doctor here. Dr. Debbie is here to help you. Wonderful. Hi. So what kind of critter is getting sick? Well, um, she, her mother was a Rottweiler, and it's a mixed breed. Um, there was a lab and a coon dog and a golden retriever involved as being dad. So take your pick. Okay, and, uh, a little bit of I'm everything. Just, <laughs> yeah, no, she, she's precious, and I have her litter mate, Samson, but he doesn't get sick at all. But I've okay. done all kinds of conditioning, and she will get into the car now, no problem. Um I have property in North Carolina, and where I go, my dogs go. But karma starts just salivating profusely uh, right after she gets in the car. As soon as I put it in gear and start to travel, she is Niagara Falls and continues to be that way. I have tried everything that I know of and that the vet knows of and that several holistic doctors. (laughs) And this happens as soon as she gets in the car? Yeah, well, now she can sit in the car without it running. As soon as I put it in gear, before I even get out of the driveway, which is maybe 20 feet, she's drooling. 
And does she actually vomit and get sick to her stomach? No, she she never vomits. Now, she did when she was a tiny puppy. She just turned 15, well, she turns 15 months old on Monday. But okay. um, she, she threw up when she was a puppy, but she doesn't throw up, up now. It's just the salivation, and it gets to where, you know, it's like hanging down from her mouth. But I use a king-size comforter under them, and it's, mm-hmm. it's rip, dripping wet. All right, well, I'm going to challenge this diagnosis of car sickness because it's not car sickness. Okay. Um, not, not in the true sense of the word. If our pet gets in the car and before you really tr- start traveling, if we're starting to see symptoms, you've got anxiety. So you've got more car anxiety than necessarily true motion sickness. So okay. all of those motion sickness remedies that I had popping up in my head that I was going to tell you about, um, some great medicines, they're not necessarily going to be helpful for your dog. Um, because she's displaying anxious behaviors from step one of the the vehicle. And the trick with that, as you said, you know, you've done some conditioning. We need to step back and do more. Um, Some pets, we may do that with just just behavioral therapy. Other pets, we might throw in an anti-anxiety medicine. So um, knowing, I don't know all the details of your pet's health situation, but that might be something if you've already tried some behavioral steps and it hasn't worked, I would, you know, ask your vet if, if this might be something that would be appropriate for your dog. Okay. But that all being said, the, the basic concepts with the counter conditioning and uh, desensitization that we want to do is we want to have every little step of the way be a positive experience associated with the vehicle so if already you're kind of putting in gear and backing out and you're getting drooling we have to take a step back before that ever happens and for pets that are that severe and I'll tell you that's pretty bad I'll be honest Uh, a lot of my patients it's more when they're actually driving and there's movement but um, in your situation the fact that it's happening so soon um, we really need to see about making the car a positive experience and a positive place. So it's going to mean a lot of different um, kind of practicing, um, okay. staging. So what I'll often do is turn your car into the site of good things. So what we're going to do is we're going to say, okay, we're going to feed you inside the car. With the door open, the dog food bowl goes on the chair in the or in the seat in the car, and that's going to be the place where you give treats or you give food or where you put a special fun thing. And you're not going to allow that car to actually make any noise. You're not going to drive it. You're just going to turn into something really positive. And for some dogs, this might mean you're not even going to open the door. You might do it by the side of the door just to make the general vicinity a very fun and favorable things. So this could take a period of maybe for some dogs just a couple days for other dogs each of these little steps you're going to have to take much longer because if there's any anxiety you see the eyes are darting around her body posture is becoming crouched or or very anxious looking tail is held low or if you see that drooling those are signs you're pushing her a little too fast and we don't want that so you want to make sure each step she's kind of very comfortable with that so you're going to reward her for being near the car reward her for going into the car eating in the car and then not ever doing anything and this takes a lot of work and then eventually what we hope to do is turn the car on and then still have positive uh, calm behavior by your dog and reward her along the way if she is doing that um, any sign of anxiety and we stop 
but hopefully we'll get up to where you can turn on the car and get in gear and go back um, and to back out of the driveway. Um, but that is what it's going to take to actually try to get this gal comfortable with the idea of car travel. Then you work up to going around the block and trying to get distance in it. But for her, she's, she sounds like she's got anxiety about the very concept of this car leaving the yard. But yes, I've, I had to do a lot just because she used to just, I mean, if she saw the car. And actually, mm-hmm. it's a van, but if she saw it, she would walk a wide berth around it. So I've worked her up to where, I mean, she actually gets in fine. But mm-hmm. then, like I said, I start the car. But it, mm-hmm. this took all winter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, it, it sounds like you have the right idea. Uh, it's just I think that step from A to B is maybe a little too fast. We just got to okay. give her a little bit more time to get comfortable with that concept. And uh, it's hard because I know if, you, if you're if you traveling, you want to take your baby. But, um, you know, putting her in that car and taking her can be very counterproductive to these steps that you're trying to do. So as much right. as you might want to have her with you, it may not be in her best interest right now while she's still trying to cope with this um, anxiety about getting in that car. So you might have to make some alternate plans until we kind of get her up to speed with things. Okay. Well, thank you so much. And that's what I will start working on because I just I just assumed that it was car sickness. All the vets say, no, it's car sickness. I thought inner ear problems. <laughs> but mm-hmm. her inner ears are absolutely fine. So yeah. it's not. The anxiety makes perfect sense. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. Do you travel with your dog? Of course. My pets are part of our family. Me too. I take Daisy with me everywhere. Right, Daisy? So how do you find out what hotels welcome your dog? I read Fido Friendly, the travel and lifestyle magazine for you and your dog. Sounds perfect for planning our next vacation. Right, Daisy? It is. Their motto is leave no dog behind, and they have great hotel and destination reviews. Where can I find the magazine? Go online to FidoFriendly.com. I will for sure. Come on, Daisy. We're off to find our next adventure. This portion of Animal Radio is underwritten by Fear Free. Fear Free takes the pet out of petrified and puts the treat into treatment. To learn more and find a certified Fear Free veterinary professional near you, visit FearFreePets.com. It's Animal Radio, celebrating the connection with our pets. And we'll go back to the phones in just a couple of minutes at one 405 8405 But first, we welcome to the show Dr. Fred Metzger. He's the medical director of the Metzger Animal Hospital. Doctor, welcome to the show. Glad to be here. How are you guys doing today? Very good. So now, as a veterinarian, you have to tell your patients a lot of things that don't necessarily make them happy. One of them is... <laughs> There's an expensive blood test on the way. What is so important about these blood tests, and why should we definitely whip out our wallets for it? Well, I mean, there's one thing that's kind of summing. It's pretty much obvious. Animals can't talk. So, I mean, in a lot of ways, they're going to talk to us through blood testing. Most people get that. But the other thing I would say is, you know, majority of the diseases that dogs and cats get are very similar to the ones that you and I get. So, it's how you diagnose most diseases, like diabetes, hypothyroidism, certain types of cancer. It's just how these diseases are diagnosed. And if you don't run the blood test, including a lot of times the urinalysis, there's just no way you can diagnose it. So mm. that's one component of blood testing is diagnosing disease. The other is using it as an early detector for things coming on. In other words, 
watching certain analytes in the blood change over time as animals age, giving us some ideas that something might be wrong. Hmm. When my veterinarian tells me it's $300 for these blood tests, are they padding the bill? Now, I'll tell you, when you look at human medicine, and I'll give you an example. I literally, I'm 58 years old, and I just went into my doctor last week for my annual. And, of course, I preach blood testing, so, you know, they want to do it on me every year, which, of course, I do. And literally for the same tests, I think it's an unbelievable deal myself. Because not only are we the ones that have to collect the blood and perform the testing, we have to interpret it, too. So when you look at what blood tests give us as far as an insight into our pet's, It's an unbelievable amount of information, and it's money well spent. It really is. Have you uh, ever examined a pet that seemed perfectly normal, perfectly healthy, but you detected something in the blood? Absolutely, and it happens all the time. And one thing that we have found over the years, that if we can run blood testing, I mean, my dream, which will never happen, but my dream (laughs) is that, you know, the pet owners would let us perform a blood profile every year on every pet, And the reason that would be important is to look for early changes, especially in things like kidney disease, blood sugar. But I'll tell you how common it is. We we know right now that in especially in animals over three years of age, about twenty five percent of those animals are going to have a significant abnormality on their blood work. And it's frequently conditions we wouldn't be able to diagnose without the blood work. Mm, okay. You know what? Uh, Judy has a question, but if you really want to ask, that's kind of a weird question, Judy. Oh, I love weird questions. I want to know, is it true that you can smell disease on an animal's breath? Because all I can smell is last night's dinner <laughs> on their breath. The, uh, well, there are a few diseases. I mean, usually you can smell dental disease. That's one we can smell. And in the old days, if you have diabetic ketoacidosis, so that's a dog or a cat that has diabetes that's very advanced, and they produce these things called ketone bodies, so do people if they're very sick. It has like a a sweet smell to the breath. But, you know, we're way beyond that in veterinary medicine at this stage where, uh, you know, we're not going to really worry about smelling the breath to diagnose something like diabetes. I mean, the tests that we have right now, and one thing I like so much, I like to be able to run the tests in my own hospital. That way I can discuss it with you as the pet owner, and we can talk about what those tests mean and also what we're going to do. I mean, think about human medicine. We get our blood drawn at a different location, and then you hope someone calls you back, right? A lot of times you don't even know if the doctor looks at the lab work or the nurse calls you up or the technician and says, oh, he or she, the doctor, looked at the lab work and they said everything looks okay. And you're wondering, did anyone ever even look at the lab work? Yeah. One thing I like is I'm there looking at your dog right now, and in 15 minutes I can do the complete blood count, the biochemical profile and the urinalysis. I can come back into the room while your dog or cat is still there, and we can talk about what we found. I mean, I find that very helpful. And it's completely changed, you know, the way veterinarians diagnose disease. And I mean this sincerely. I think you're better off being a sick dog or cat in this country than a person. Uh, I believe that. You're probably right. So should we be getting a baseline? If our animal's healthy now, should we take them in and get a baseline? Absolutely. And I'm glad you said that. And the, the key is you have to remember when we're looking at all these tests, the way the normal ranges are developed is the same in humans, but in dogs and cats, when you think of all the different breeds that we have to deal with and the different ages, there's quite a variability in the normal analytes testing. For example, let me tell you, glucose, blood sugar, perfect example. In people, it's a very narrow range. You know, it's like 80 to 90, whereas in a dog or cat, it could be something like 70 to 140. I mean, it's a wide range. So 
The reason I like to run blood tests on pets when they're normal is I can determine what's normal for your animal because we know a lot of the tests just are not going to change over time, and that way I don't overinterpret. So let's say my dog Sophie normally runs, you know, 130 on the blood glucose, which is kind of the high normal. But if I check it every year and it's running, you know, 120, 130, that's normal for her. It's very important to determine what's normal for your pet. And that's why it's important to run blood work on them when they're healthy so you can build a really a photo. And I like to tell people when I'm drawing blood today, I'm taking a photo of your pet's blood. And really what I want to do over the lifetime is build a movie. Okay, so until our animals start speaking English to us, we're going to have to do the blood test to figure out what's going on with them and uh, do the baseline. Okay, doctor, thank you so much for spending time with us. Thanks, guys. Great questions, and everybody have a great day. Take care of your pets, of course. Bye-bye. There you go, Dr. Fred Metzger joining us. This portion of Animal Radio was underwritten by Fear Free. The veterinarian isn't typically thought of as your pet's favorite place to go. With Fear Free, that all changes. To learn more and find a certified Fear Free veterinary professional near you, visit fearfreepets.com. Hey, this is Nicole Sullivan on Animal Radio. Please spay and neuter your pets, please. All dogs should eat a pH-balanced alkaline diet. An alkaline diet reduces health risks and can also reduce scratching, shedding, and hot spots. So does this mean you need to check your dog's pH balance? No, because canine caviar has created the first and only alkaline dog food that is pH-balanced. It also has the highest metabolized calories. What does this mean? Your dog needs to eat less. Get a healthier dog and save money with Canine Caviar products. Find them at your local pet supply store or online at caninecaviar.com. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. Hey, there's some new information out from the Food and Drug Administration Center for Veterinary Medicine, which we hear is now investigating what's likely a very large part of your dog's diet. Potato, legumes, such as peas and lentils, that are used as protein sources in a lot of dog foods, including those that are labeled grain-free or vegetarian, they could be linked to canine heart disease. Uh, The FDA is now researching dogs that develop dilated cardiomyopathy, or what they call DCM, which is a heart muscle disease that can result in congestive heart failure. Now, in the cases under investigation right now, all of the affected dogs were fed foods with peas, potatoes, lentils, and such as their main protein ingredient. So a genetic predisposition for DCM is normally seen in big, large, giant breed dogs even, such as, you know, Newfies and Great Danes and Irish Wolfhounds. Uh, But the disease is less common in small and medium breed dogs, except for Cocker Spaniels. However, Recently, something weird happened. These recently reported atypical or unusual cases have included different breeds, golden and Labrador retrievers, a whippet, a shih tzu, a bulldog, a miniature schnauzer, and in fact, several of them, and some other mixed breeds as well. So early reports from the veterinary cardiology community are indicating to us that the affected dogs consistently ate foods that had these peas, lentils, and other legume seeds or potatoes as their main ingredient. So, as noted by some, because of the small number of cases that they're dealing with here, it might still be too early to determine an exact cause of what caused this in these other dogs, but you should know that it is being investigated now. Just I thought, another thing in your 
your dog's diet to be concerned about. And I thought legumes were so healthy for you. I mean, for humans, you know you're, you're supposed to, yeah? There, this is kind of where people think that green is all bad and that if you go to something else, it's all good. And there's just has to be a healthy balance of um, different proteins and amino acids in foods. And if you exclude things, we are bound to see um, types of deficiencies. So it'd be interesting to see if this is something that was lacking or something that was there that was interfering with um, the uh, pet's uh, uh, amino acid needs. Now I'm concerned about this because you've told us in the past instead of uh, doing the, the the treat the fattening treats when they want to treat to give them things like legumes and and beans green beans uh, all these things that you would think would be very healthy. So I want to I want to find out what the research is going to finally show on this. This could be like an anomaly maybe. Well, yeah. most this this is something that has been seen in certain breeds where they have a kind of innate. Um, in the past, I should say, it's been seen where they have an innate problem in converting types of um, amino acids so that they are more prone to developing heart disease because um, they are just sensitive and they don't convert very well, this uh, this particular ingredient. And uh, so that's where they develop heart disease. And in Cocker Spaniels, that is definitely something that we know that they have to be supplemented with taurine um, when they develop this mm. uh, nutritional-related uh, cardiomyopathy. Mm. So okay. it be interesting to see. But don't be afraid of food it's just you know i think everyone's on this grain free thing and thinks it's the best thing in the world and this is just proof we need to stop pause and really look at well balanced nutritional uh, research here well also isn't it i remember reading a story a couple of years ago and we talked about it um how the the pet food industry uses a lot of peas in their products and that for the protein but then they even um divvy it up sort of so that peas doesn't become the first ingredient over meat on the bag because they list in order of, you know, how many things are, how much of it is in that product. So they'll make it um, peas and then pea flour yeah. instead. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah I've heard of it. I've seen that. Yeah, pea flour were the second ingredient or third ingredient. Mm-hmm. All right, well, keep us posted on that, will you? We will. Uh, The Georgia Department of Natural Resources is now warning residents there about aggressive deer after reports of deer attacking and even killing pets in uh, Peachtree City, Georgia. Mm. So in one case, which was caught on video, moments leading up to one of these attacks, it shows a very calm deer near a group of people and a dog, but then the video shuts off just before the attack on the dog. So while deer are not known for their aggressive nature, they are wild animals, we're reminded. One expert says that while the attacks indeed are very unusual, they are likely nature. The reaction of an overprotective doe during the peak birthing season of June and July. But even so, protective deer, they stress, are not predators. And if you turn and walk or run away, they should not chase you. Well, we almost always have great stories here about animals on airplanes, but in this case, at London's Heathrow Airport, it wasn't your usual dog or cat or even the pet peacock emotional support animal or the turkey. Um, Customs agents arrested a man who had, check this out, 19 large eggs packed into a body belt that he was wearing after he stepped off a plane. Two of those eggs were newly hatched. They turned out to be South African vulture chicks. The uh, remaining eggs were identified as other 
uh, South African raptors like eagles, hawks, and kites, all of which are protected under the Convention of International Trade in Endangered Species Agreement. So the eggs were likely being smuggled for sale after they hatched, and then they would be taken to pet markets and likely, they thought, Thailand and the Middle East. Well, that's so weird. But baby vultures are very yeah. cute. Can you imagine bumping but, and, in? And, wait, baby, wait, baby vultures are cute? They really are. I had two hatch in my barn one year. And because they like to take, like, abandoned buildings or, you know, non-occupied buildings because they like to have their babies on the ground. So they just kind of, you know, you could even run out into these nests in nature. But they're big eggs is the point. So big, I mean, really, they're ginormous eggs when you look at them. I think they're probably about four inches long. They're big. And how would you, you I mean, 19 times, well, I don't know how many inches across it would be. I'm poor at math, but they, it was, um, I just can't imagine. I can't imagine 19 of those eggs. And how would you sit on a plane yeah. with raw eggs, with a raw egg belt, basically? If you amazing bump into somebody or something and, whoops, excuse me, sir, and there goes the elk. <laughs> Uh, that's yeah, such a weird. That's just silly. Yeah. Where, where do you find these stories? <laughs> uh, I will never tell. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime. And, of course, we have the weird stories for you. And we have those as well at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. Find us at AnimalRadio.com. Log on, learn more. Hey, Blaine, how are you? Okay, how are you? Good. Where are you calling from today? Uh, I'm near Effingham, Illinois. Oh, okay. Are you a truck driver? Yes. Okay, on the road. Do you take your pet with you? You travel with your dog? No, no, I don't. Okay, I got the doctor here. What's up? Well, hey, um, my uh, dachshund Bo. He's overweight, but he uh, he'll like drink a lot of liquids, and he like swells up, and he'll like looks like he retains water or something. And mm. then when you uh, and then recently he started like wetting the bed where he lays. And stuff. I don't. He doesn't mean to because he he'll be like on the step and he'll get up and it's wet. Like, okay. I don't know what his problem is. If he's lost bladder control or what it is. Yeah. And in meal dogs, you know, bladder control problems are not real common as the sole cause of urine leakage. Female dogs, sometimes we do see that they can have some sphincter problems, some leaky bladder problems, but it's pretty rare in male dogs. So for me, when I find out of a dog, a male dog that's leaking urine in any context, especially if it's accompanied with drinking more or peeing large volumes of um, urine, that would warrant a veterinary visit and I would check a urine sample and probably some blood as well. The things that oh, okay. we look for um, are going to be conditions that cause your baby to drink more, things like diabetes, kidney concerns, liver concerns, um, and, you know, retaining water. Sometimes we think about heart disease, but usually there would be other symptoms that I'd be focused on and looking at. But uh, oh, I would okay. definitely well, say, yeah. He does have hair loss also, but I've had that for a long time. Oh, okay. Yeah. And that might be something that can kind of tie things together. Um, 
So for me, if I find out a dog is kind of losing hair, maybe getting a little pot-bellied and having excessive urinations, we might look at some hormone problems like Cushing's disease. So that's, oh, okay. Uh, so that might be something else to put on the whole differential um, when you see the veterinarian. But I, I, I definitely would say, you know, I can tell you certainly you need to get this baby in, at least do some baseline screening on him and uh, find oh, okay. out uh, the underlying cause. All right. Thanks. You're welcome. Thanks for your call, Blaine. And uh, we're waiting here for your call at Animal Radio at 1-866-405-8405. You're sizzling, huh? <laughs> you are. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. Hi, everybody. This is Lori Morgan reminding you to please spay or neuter your pets. Here is today's automotive news. I'm Nick Miles. I got to drive the Genesis G70 on road and on the track this week in New Hampshire. This car is a result of bringing together some of the automotive top minds in the world. From Bentley, BMW, Bugatti and Lamborghini, the G70 Genesis team have included thrilling driving dynamics with an extremely stiff car that performs on track as well as it does off track. Starting at $35,000 and topping out at $50,000, it's quite a buy. For more on the G70, go to ourautoexpert.com. Think O'Reilly Auto Parts for all of your car needs. We're close, convenient, and known for our guaranteed everyday low prices and excellent customer service from professional parts people you can trust. Stop by your local O'Reilly Auto Parts today. O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices, every day. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It's Animal Radio, celebrating the connection with our pets. Once again, yesterday, I went down to the drugstore, and outside the drugstore was a dog just tied up there, right uh, by the leash. Yeah, you don't see that a lot anymore, but you still see it, unfortunately. Yeah, and you know, if it's for a couple of seconds, you know, I think that's probably okay. No, but because I, somebody could take it. Yeah, I really? would never do it with my dog. No, never? yeah. No, uh-uh. Mm-mm. Never, ever, I just ever, don't like ever. the whole idea of it. Yeah, nope. So it's something I shouldn't be doing, huh? <laughs> Good thing you're a cat guy. I guess tying it up outside could lead to so many threats and vulnerabilities. The dog could be stolen. The dog could be hurt. The dog could be annoying. Could be barking. Well, somebody could feed it something that, you know, Oh, yeah. Bad. yeah. Ice cream. It could break loose and run away. So many things that could happen. Yeah. And you know what? There's actually a solution. And we have... From uh, the company called Dog Spot, Rebecca Air joining us. Hi, Rebecca. How are you? Hi, I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. So I just caught this in the news a couple of weeks ago about Dog Spot. It looks like it's a kennel that that you put outside of uh, various businesses and you rent the kennel out. It's I got to say, not a kennel because it actually looks pretty high end. A looks, nice big dog house. It's a big dog house, and it it seems to be a smart dog house too. Tell us a little bit about Dog Spot and what it is. Yes, you guys hit the nail on the head. It is basically the fanciest dog house you've ever seen. Um, it is the safest, cleanest place to leave your dog if you're going to leave them unattended for some reason. So exactly like you said, it's they are um, they sit outside of places that dogs aren't allowed. That's 57% of businesses are prohibited by federal health codes from allowing dogs inside. So even if they want to be dog friendly, they're not allowed to be. 
So this is a way for places that want to accommodate dogs and have those customers not pass their business by or do that risky behavior like leaving them tied up outside or leaving them in a car, both of which are definitely dangerous. Sure. Um, so this is a this is a safe alternative. This is like the uh, the lockers at the airport where you, you have to rent a locker. <laughs> Just, you know what I'm talking about. But no, it's it's big. So what makes it so dandy? I think there's a camera in it. Is that correct that you can use with your smartphone? Correct. Oh, yeah. cool. So it's an app-based technology similar to Cardigo or like a bike share. So if you have an account, you can basically, uh, if there's a dog spot near you, you can use it to open the house. Like it's the key to the house. Okay. And then, yeah, there's a camera inside so you can keep an eye on your dog while you're away. There's also um, UVC lighting that cleans like it's hospital grade cleaning um, technology between each session. So you can trust that the house has been sanitized. What if the dog poops? Well, you know, because you guys know how crate training works, that's typically something that dogs don't do is go to the bathroom in a small space that they're currently occupying. So that in two years of operating in New York has not been a problem. But we have all all of the houses are Internet connected. So we are watching every session personally and we have sensors on the house so we can tell if something like that has happened. And then we would just take it offline and send one of our technicians to clean it before anyone else used it. Are there windows? Does it get hot in there? So it's air-conditioned. That's the good news. And with all these heat waves coming across the country, it's a really, really amazing feature that people are very excited about. And then it's heated in the winter. So temperature sensors are are there. It's all temperature regulated. Have you ever seen anybody put a child in there? <laughs> That's funny. Oh, no. <laughs> well, if, if, number one, no. Uh, but if someone were to put something non-dog uh, in it, then we would know right away because we are, like I said, watching every session. Also, the sessions are 30 cents per minute. So as far as people doing kind of devious things, it's sort of an expensive prank, right? Um, you're not going to, like, you know, leave something random. Or A lot of people are worried about dogs getting abandoned in, inside dog spots, and actually that's just so unlikely because it, it, it would be a very expensive dog abandonment if you, if you want to think about it that way. So where is it rolled out? So we, like I said, started in New York, and we have received letters of invitation from 25 mayors across the country. And this month alone, we are deploying 50 houses across the U.S., California, Texas, Florida, South Carolina, um, places like food courts and mixed-use spaces, some service plazas up here um, in the Northeast. So you can imagine if you're on the road with your dog and you stop at a rest stop and there's no place for you to leave your dog because they're not allowed inside other than your hot car, which is obviously a major safety risk. So service clauses are actually a really big high request for us. Do you have to reserve the, the dog spot houses? So we, you can reserve them up to 15 minutes in advance, but um, no, you can just use it and walk, walk right up to it and use it if it's available. Have you ever had an animal that had separation anxiety do any damage to one? You know, they are so, they're designed like, they're, they're designed like a car. Like, they're so heavy, they're so sturdy, there's nothing a dog could get caught on or, or claw at. We've had a couple of dogs that get nervous and bark, and when we notice a dog is barking a lot, we just call the, the dog owner and let them know that their dog is barking and that they maybe should come back and check on them. I mean, a lot of times that's the kind of behavior that a, that a dog will stop doing after, you know, 10 minutes or so. So to sign up for this, if we happen to live in one of the cities that has this, I guess we download the app? Would that be? Yeah, the app is the best place to start. You can also see which locations are coming soon. So even if we aren't near you right now, we're going to be uh, deploying another 100 houses in the next two months after this. So we're going to be blanketing the U.S. hopefully with dog friendliness here in the next six months or so. Okay. What's the website? Dogspot, 
AnimalRadio.pet.io. And, of course, links to everything you've heard on today's show over at AnimalRadio.pet. Rebecca Ayer, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. Well, let's get on out of here. Remember, if you need your fix during the week, head on over to AnimalRadio.pet and download the Animal Radio app for iPhone, Android, and BlackBerry. It's a free download, and you'll get uh, notifications anytime there's a recall, which is kind of a cool feature to have on your phone. We'll catch you next week for more Animal Radio right here. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. This is Animal Radio Network.